Welcome to today's issues. Join us for the next hour as we offer a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Ed Vitagliano. And welcome everyone to today's issues. Ed Vitagliano sitting in for Tim Wildman today. I am joined in studio by Fred Jackson. Good morning, Fred. Good morning, Ed. And Chris Woodward, news reporter for American Family News. Good morning to you, Chris. Good morning. Um, well, it is a, um, for much of the country, at least in the uh, southeast, mm -hmm. we got some stormy weather coming. Yes. And that was the case to the west of us in Dallas mm -hmm. and especially Oklahoma. We want to ask uh, our listeners to be praying sure. for the folks who got hit hard in that part of the country. What? What happened? Well, uh, in a story that you can find today on AFN.net, it says uh, multiple tornadoes ripped through parts of Texas and Oklahoma, causing injuries and widespread damage in areas near Austin and Dallas. Uh, the storm system was poised to move into Louisiana and Mississippi today, carrying the risk of dangerous tornadoes and powerful winds. Uh, it looks like uh, several tornadoes were reported along the I-35 corridor. Uh, you got some uh, at least four people injured, uh, and tens of thousands of people were without electricity this morning, as of U.S. or according to USA Today. Well, I know that my sister texted myself and my other our, our other sister um, last night. She had been driving, and she lives in Dallas. Mm -hmm. She'd been driving, and she just looked to the uh, to the west, I think, or maybe northwest. I'm not sure, but she said that she wasn't paying attention. She didn't know there was a severe storm coming. She saw the, said the sky was that black and green color, mm -hmm. and she saw two funnel clouds. Yeah. And she said they never did seem to touch down, but she got herself to a safe spot. Sure. So uh, that's pretty scary when that weather, it, and it does pop up. And if, if you're not paying attention, right? Um, uh, you know, I, I, I don't have, I don't know about you guys, but I don't have the, uh, the setting on my phone for the weather alerts because – They'll wake me up in the middle of the night for, you know, flash flood, right. you know, warnings or whatever, and nothing amounts to it, and you can't ever get a good night's sleep. But I can see where that stuff would catch people on a Sure, and, you know, I you've heard me say this. I'm sure the other anchors have as well in the afternoons. Be sure to keep a check on your local uh, forecasters for these kinds of situations where the weather has been bad or you've been told that it's going to be bad later today. You know, I'm I'm here in Tupelo, Mississippi. I can't tell you what it looks like in Topeka, Kansas today, right. necessarily. Uh, I can call people and ask and put their thoughts on air or whatnot, but be sure to keep a check on your local forecasters. And you're right. Um, have a safe place to go to. Um, you know, some people, uh, unfortunately, are out traveling. Uh, and when, when the storm is moving through, we've yeah. probably all seen the video now of the truck that was literally on the road as the tornado was moving through and the and the the truck somehow by the grace of god stayed upright and you know managed to drive off i'm sure we'll see that on a television ad at some point with like a rock yes. on it um right. in in the near future but uh you know be sure to keep a check on your local weather and do have a safe place to go it is that time of year especially in mississippi where you can't spell mississippi without severe weather um <laughs> <laughs> that you do need to be um, aware of your situation uh, because something somewhere is probably going to happen. Yeah, Oklahoma, Texas, I mean, all the way up through Ohio, uh, uh, Iowa. I mean, it's Missouri, all that air part of the country. Tornado is, Alley. Yes. Tornado Alley. Mm. It's named that for a reason. So yes. anyway, folks, be praying for those who got hit hard in Oklahoma and um, pray for other parts of the country today. Yes. So, All right, sure. Chris, let's move along. 
Well, the other big story is uh, one that's really playing out right now on television screens around the country. Uh, the confirmation hearings continue today for Katanji Brown-Jackson, that is President Biden's nominee to uh, replace Justice Stephen Breyer on the Supreme Court of the United States. Right now, Katanji Brown-Jackson is uh, answering questions from Senator Lindsey Graham, a Republican from South Carolina, one of the highest-ranking members on the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, and things really kind of got going yesterday. Uh, and it was a lot of what was uh, to be expected. Democrats think she's hunky-dory. They just need to go ahead and vote her in. Uh, but Republicans have been voicing concerns about her. Just to give you a, an idea of kind of bringing you up to speed on what happened yesterday, uh, I'm going to do a little montage here of Senator Dick Durbin, a Democrat from Illinois. He praised Jackson. And then you had Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri, a Republican, voicing concerns again about Jackson's record of going lenient on sex offenders and other criminals. Clip one. Throughout your career, you've been a champion for the rule of law, determined to get it right, even at the risk of public criticism. In every case, in each of these seven, Judge Jackson handed down a lenient sentence that was below what the federal guidelines recommended and below what prosecutors requested. And so I think there's a lot to talk about there, and I look forward to talking about it. Now, Fred, you were watching some of this earlier today. What what stood out to you thus far this morning? Well, uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, South Carolina, started off his question with, and I was watching this, I said, and I thought about, where is he going with this? He asked her about her religion. Uh, what what faith are you? What denomination? And she said, well, I'm Protestant. And uh, how often do you go to church? And she, you could see she started to get uncomfortable with this, and, and she had kind of a long response to it. And I thought, okay. And, and he, he kind of made fun of himself. He said, I only go to church three times a year. So I, I guess my, you know, uh, that speaks badly of me. So, okay, where are you going with this? And, and then he, he let people know where he was going with it. He said, you know what? He said, I'm, I'm glad that you have a strong faith. I'm glad you have a strong family and that your faith, you know, has an impact on, on, your, on your life. But he says, unlike my Democrat counterparts, and he went back to the um, Senate hearing for Amy Coney Barrett, where Dianne Feinstein, Democrat Senator Dianne Feinstein, started questioning Amy Coney Barrett about her faith. She's a very strong Roman Catholic lady. And she made, Diane Feinstein made that famous quote, your dogma lives loudly within you. Yeah. In other words, questioning whether she could, she has a strong faith, Amy Coney Barrett, and that would have a negative impact on her decisions. And, and Senator Lindsey Graham said, well, unlike our Democrat friends, we're not going to try to use your faith against you. And he went on and made several other examples, the way Alito was treated, uh, another, uh, I think it was an appeals court judge. But his, his first 10 minutes, Lindsey Graham was, we're going to treat you better, uh, Judge Jackson Brown, uh, Brown Jackson, than our Democrats, than the Democrats on this committee treated uh, Donald Trump's nominees. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was quite an interesting moment, to, and the point he's making is, you're going to get tough questions, but we're going to respect you. And he says it's it certainly wasn't that way, and it's true. Media is treating Brown Jackson with kid gloves. 
Not they're, just not just that. They, they they're applauding her. Oh, they're mm. applauding her. That she. Uh, I mean, you would think she walks on water. Yeah. Uh, the way she's being treated. But what a what an incredible difference the way that she is being treated, which I think is proper. It's proper. Right. To show respect for her. Uh, she's got a very interesting background. She did. I, I mean, she, she grew up in a fairly poor family, uh, and, and her parents experienced racism in this country. And she went beyond that, and she's done very well for herself. Yeah. She's a Harvard grad. She's done very well. Lindsey Graham is pointing out, we're going to treat you with respect. We'll ask you some tough questions, but we're going to respect you unlike the way the Democrats treated Donald Trump's nominees. Well, I, I think what we see on display, and uh, we're going to try to get that sound for maybe Thursday yeah. um, for our show to talk about this issue a little bit in a little bit deeper fashion. But what you have on display as the difference between the two parties is you have the conservatives um, in general and the Republican Party, generally speaking, Respect religion, okay, and respect the role of faith in public life for public officials. The Democratic Party increasingly are on the side of we hate God and we he has no business and his commandments, the truth of the Bible has no business being in the public square and even in the life of a public servant. Yes. Like Amy Coney Barrett, for example. Yes. Uh we th we're suspicious of your faith. Yes. We believe it will poison your mind and you won't be able to take a purely secular approach to the law mm -hmm. as if a purely secular approach is what the Constitution requires yeah. or what our founders intended. It's just the opposite. They believe that everyone would come with their perspective, most of the time informed by their faith, and that would, in a sense bring a variety of perspectives, but the Democratic Party wants only a secular perspective. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing that's allowed in public life. And, and as far as I can tell from the way our country was founded and the way it was run up until probably the 1960s, mm -hmm. that is in opposition of the way our country is run. Remember that famous Barack Obama statement, those people who cling to their guns and their Bibles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right there. I mean, there was a signal that Barack Obama and I, I think uh, the Democratic Party overall, they they see a strong Christian faith in particular. Yeah. They he didn't say guns and their um, whatever, Buddha Buddha statues Buddha statues. He didn't say anything mm -hmm. about Islam. He used the Bible. Yeah. You know, so they they think a strong Christian faith is detrimental to their agenda. And what's interesting is they spent an entire night during the 2020 Democratic Presidential Convention talking about Joe Biden's faith. Yeah. Yes. That was that was to push off oh, sure. accusations that they don't like religion they have, when, they in fact, against, they don't like religion. Yeah, yeah they speak out of both sides of their mouth when it comes to religion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of people who can speak out of both sides of their mouths, Dr. Frank Turek, I think I just insulted the, the good doctor. <laughs> Hosts of Cross-Examined heard Saturday at 9 a.m. Central Time and Sunday at 4 p.m. Central Time on American Family Radio. Dr. Frank Turek, welcome to the program. You know, Stephen Douglas accused Lincoln of being two-faced 
And Lincoln said back, Douglas, if I was two-faced, do you think I'd be wearing this face today? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that Abraham Lincoln, I'll tell you. He was a jokester. (laughs) I'm telling you. Anyway, no, but the – this whole issue about secularism, if secularism is the way we're going to run our government, complete secularism, then there are no rights. Because if there's no God, there are no rights. Everything's just a matter of opinion. And so what Jefferson brilliantly did is he didn't want the intolerance of a religious government, but he didn't want the nihilism or the lack of rights in a completely secular government So he picked a natural law government, a government that comes from God and bases its rights on God, on God's nature. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men were created and endowed by their government. No, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. He took the perfect middle alternative. Let's not have religious intolerance, but let's not have complete nihilism. Let's ground our rights in God. And if you're going to get away from God, you're going to get away from justice. You're going to get away from rights and you're going to get away from human dignity. And that's the problem if you go completely secular. Well, Frank, let me just uh, follow that up. And then Fred does have a story he wants to bring up. But if we talk about this for a few minutes, I don't think anybody's going to complain. So a, a natural law perspective, okay, is for, for the Christians who are out mm-hmm. there going, ah, I just want to stick close to the Bible. Can you tether a natural law perspective, say, to Romans chapter 1, where Paul talks about how God is visible in nature. I mean, that's possible, right? Yeah, that's what it's all about. In fact, Romans chapter 2, Paul says, the Gentiles and out of the law have the law written on their hearts. In other words, we're, we're getting the same morality. It's coming from the same source, God. But you don't need to be a Christian to know this morality or to support this morality. You just have to believe in theism that there is a a God out there who created the world, sustains the world, and he's a moral being. You don't have to bring Jesus into it to know this. This is why Paul says the Gentiles who don't have the law have the law written on their hearts. They don't even know who Jesus is, but they know basic right and wrong. They know there are things that are right and certain things that are wrong because God has implanted his nature, written it on their hearts. And this is why you can say, okay, we're not going to have a a national denomination. We're not going to say you have to be a Christian to be an American citizen or to engage in government or any of these things. But we are going to ground our rights in God. I mean, our country's founded on theism. If you don't like it, you can go somewhere else. That's just the way it is. That's 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 we hold these truths to be self-evident. So our country's grounded on theism. It describes how our nation when, you know, people say, is this a Christian nation? When we were founded, it was a Christian nation descriptively. It was not a Christian nation prescriptively. In other words, you didn't have to be a Christian to serve in the federal government. Ironically, you did have to be in most state governments in order to serve. Right. You had to be a Christian of some kind. That's why they had all these different state governments and state churches. But you didn't have to be a particular Christian in order to serve in the federal government. And you didn't so, have to be Episcopalian or no, Baptist or... No, you didn't have to be any of those things. And of course, Jefferson was probably more of a deist, as was Franklin. Just about everybody else was some kind of, of denominational Christian. But that was descriptive, not prescriptive. That's, I think that's excellent. And, and that's a, a good way of uh, uh, helping to instruct our listeners. who Some of them already, already know this kind of thing, but... There's a lot of confusion out there, and I think that the, the fact of the matter is the left 
at least the secular left, has purposefully tried to confuse the situation so that even most Christians say, well, separation of church and state, if you're a Christian, you can't let that affect your political views and oh, serve no, in the that's government. Nonsense. Right. Yeah. All right. First of all, you're, you're not imposing religion. You're imposing morality. Look, Reli- imposing religion would be to say, hey, Ed, you need to go to this church and do these things, and you need to be part of this congregation. That's imposing religion. But imposing morality, legislating morality, which all laws do, all laws legislate morality, you're not imposing a religious point of view. You're not saying you have to be a member of a church or do certain rites or rituals or get involved in some sort of denomination. We are saying that you ought to treat people a certain way, that people have a certain amount of rights. This is why when when Judge Brown comes up to the to, to the hearing, we're going to treat her with dignity, even though we might not agree with her politics, because we think she's made in the image of God, and she has certain rights, and she should be respected. Unfortunately, the other side, quite often, as you've already pointed out, does not afford that same respect to people who are more conservative in their judicial rulings. And by the way, conservatism is what we need in judicial rulings. Why? Because if you don't read the Constitution as it was written— then you are a constitution to yourself. You are not actually obeying the constitution. You're creating your own constitution. You are ruling people with your own political views rather than adjudicating cases based on what the constitution actually says. You're taking the power out of the people's hands and you are legislating from the bench. That's why there shouldn't be liberal judges judges on the court. Excellent. Excellent job, Frank. All right, and we're going to pivot now. Fred, you have uh, an additional topic we want to discuss with with Frank. Yeah, uh, apparently at least some Disney employees, and there are tens of thousands of them, are going out on a walkout today, a strike of sorts. They're upset with the CEO of Disney because they say he hasn't spoken out strongly enough against a bill that is making its way through the Florida legislature. In fact, it just needs the governor's signature right now. Now, You may not have heard this bill. It's called the Parental Rights in Education Bill. That's what it's called. But the mainstream media and the Democrats are saying it's called the Don't Say Gay Bill. In fact, if you Google Don't Say Gay, that's the story headline that shows up on almost every mainstream media. It's not called that. They're not calling it the Parental Rights in Education Bill. Now, what's it all about? (laughs) It's saying... Parents have a right to have a say in what little five and six and seven-year-olds are being taught in school. In particular, what the Disney employees are upset about, they want teachers to have the right to indoctrinate little five-year-olds and six-year-olds and seven-year-olds on a pro-homosexual agenda, on transgenderism. What this bill says, no, you can't do that unless the parents approve of this. You know what Joe Biden, president, the president of the United States, has called this bill hateful. Hmm. Hateful. Apparently, our president, Frank, thinks it is terrible that parents would have the right to say, I don't want my little Johnny or Jenny, who's just five years old, to be told that homosexuality is perfectly fine. And that transgenderism, and by the way, little Joni or Jenny, um, if you feel like you want to be a boy or a girl or some other sex, that's okay too, and and don't tell mom or dad. Mm. Uh, crazy, Frank, what, what's, what, what's, what's going on here with, with the pol- uh, politicians and the media 
always putting the focus on what they consider to be the oppressed, mm-hmm. you know, because that's the outcry has been that these are this is an attack on the LGBTQ community when all parents want to do for the littlest of their kids is protect them until they can have these discussions at a more appropriate age. What's going on here? Yeah, I just want to ask, do you really think that five to eight year olds ought to be taught against their parents wishes that they can be another gender, that Mm. they can and should have sex with anyone they want and they can do so regardless of gender? Do we really want to be teaching five to eight year olds that? Because that's what that's what Disney is now saying we ought to be doing. That's what these employees are saying we ought to be doing. Anybody that says we ought not be teaching sex to kindergartners is somehow intolerant and biased and bigots. It's nonsense. It's total nonsense. In fact, Christina Pushaw, she is the governor uh, DeSantis's press secretary. Here's what she said when this bill came out. She said the bill that liberals inaccurately call the don't say gay would be more accurately described as the anti-grooming bill. She went on to say, and she's using the Democrats' own uh, rules against them here. She says, if you're against the anti-grooming bill, you are probably a groomer. At least you don't denounce the grooming of four to eight-year-old children. Silence is is complicity. This is how it works, Democrats, and I didn't make the rules. So she's not pulling any punches. She's pointing out that this is madness. uh, And yet madness is what's being promoted by some people on the left, that we ought to actually be teaching kindergartners about transgenderism, about homosexuality, or just about heterosexual sex. Really? These kids have no concept of this. Why would you want to teach them this? I know why. Because for some reason... You can't bear to have anybody not put your sexual preference in front of kindergartners because somehow you don't feel good if unless it's done. It's, it's, it's craziness. And when are parents going to stand up and say, no, we're not going to tolerate this. You're not going to groom my children. You are not going to indoctrinate in, in, in them into any sexual activity at that age. And yet the other side saying, it's hateful if you don't indoctrinate them in this. It's crazy. Hey, it's, it's Chris here. We're coming up on the break, but uh, given what we've seen in Virginia, where parents did take a stand, Glenn Youngkin got elected, uh, people in Florida passed this bill, the Parental Rights and Education Bill. Do you think this could be that moment when more parents in other states and their legislators stand up and do what Florida has done here? I sure hope, Chris. In fact, DeSantis said he's going to sign it. He doesn't care what Disney says. He's not going to allow kids to be groomed. I don't care what corporation or woke people are going to say this is hateful. It's not hateful. It's loving to protect children from this kind of thing. Amen. Frank, this has been uh, excellent. Hey, you've been on, buddy. You haven't lost your fastball. <laughs> so uh, this has been excellent. Uh, Frank, tell us, uh, tell our listeners if you have uh, already formalize some plans for this weekend oh yeah this week we're going to have the great dr michael brown on talking about his new book silencing of the lambs which is exactly what this is all about cancel culture and how can we as christians speak the truth and not be canceled or maybe even risk cancellation for the truth remember it's our job to be faithful we leave the results to god you just do what's right leave the results to god Amen. all right uh frank you got uh, any uh speaking engagements coming up that Folks oh, yeah, to... we're going to be down at Louisiana Christian University in Alexandria, Louisiana next Monday night. I think that's the 28th of March, if I'm not mistaken. So if you're anywhere near there, it's open to the public. We're doing I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Just go to crossexamine.org, crossexamine with a D on the end of it, .org. Click on events. You'll see it there. 
All right, uh, Dr. Frank Turek has been our guest, host of Cross-Examined Heard on American Family Radio, Saturdays at 9 a.m. Central Time, Sunday at 4 p.m. Central Time. Sounds like a great show coming up this weekend. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, guys. See you. All right, when we come back, folks, you're going to want to listen to uh, our guest, Kristen Wagner, who serves as general counsel with Alliance Defending Freedom. Wait till you hear what happened to her at Yale University when she was simply having a debate with an atheist, what the students do? Wait till you hear that. We'll be back in a minute. When you hear this. This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. We live in a day when America's families are under attack like never before. Buddy Smith, Senior Vice President of the American Family Association. The war against biblical principles rages on numerous fronts. The internet, Hollywood, Washington, D.C., America's corporate boardrooms, and the list goes on. At American Family Association, we're committed to standing against the enemies of God, the enemies of your family, And we recognize it's an impossible task without God's favor and your partnership. Thank you for being faithful to pray for this ministry, to give financially, and to respond to our calls for activism. What you do on the home front is crucial to what we do on the battlefront. We praise God for your faithfulness. And may He give us many victories in the battles ahead as we work together to restore our nation's biblical foundations. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. Uh, my goal as a teacher is, is to impart knowledge and then be able then for them to take it and turn it into wisdom. As we teach, I think, okay, five years down the road, how will the material that I am teaching them really affect their lives and their careers? Hi, Todd Starnes here. Truett offers biblically-centered degree programs. Check out truett.edu slash Starnes. No doubt many of us are feeling the sting of President Biden's economic policies. Inflation's at near-historic levels. Gas prices are off the charts, nearly $7 a gallon across parts of Southern California. So a columnist for Bloomberg thought it might be helpful to offer some advice on how to make your dollar stretch during these difficult days of Biden inflation. Teresa Gallarducci suggested that Americans should go vegan, foregoing cheeseburgers for what she called tasty meat substitutes like beans and lentils. What a bunch of baloney. She also recommended killing your family pet. No, seriously. Ms. Garaducci said we should rethink costly medical needs like pet chemotherapy. Other recommendations? Sell your car. Take the bus. Stop buying 60 rolls of toilet paper at Costco. In other words, the best way to survive inflation, eat beans and let Fluffy die. Of course, there are some other ways to cut back on spending, like canceling your subscription to Bloomberg. I'm Todd Stearns. Be silent before me so that I may speak. Then let come upon me what may. Why should I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in my hands? Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Job 13, 13 through 15. American Family Radio.
This is today's issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. And welcome back, everybody. Ed Vitagliano sitting in for Tim Wildman this week. I'm joined in studio by Fred Jackson and Chris Woodward. Well, folks, uh, in the previous segment, I mentioned that we would have some sound of the exchange, exchanges between Senator Lindsey Graham and uh, President Biden's Supreme Court pick, Katanji Brown Jackson, on Thursday. You may have been wondering why we wouldn't have that for tomorrow. Well, there is a reason. Tomorrow, instead of today's issues for that hour and a half, we will have the audio version of a special that we're going to air, The God Who Speaks. Now, this is a film produced by American Family Studios. It is a powerful film about the, the fact that you can trust the Bible as God's Word. So we will have the audio version of that playing in place of today's issues. If you want to watch that film, and again, it is a powerful just uh, film packed with experts, and it will fortify your faith and belief in the Bible. If you want to watch the film, again, very well done, you can go to our streaming platform, that is streaming.afa.net, streaming.afa.net. Now, we have talked about this uh, for several months now. If you want to watch programming, uh, videos, documentaries, even some shorter films, some children's programming that American Family Studios has produced over the years, go to streaming.afa.net. There is a wide selection you can watch for free simply by signing up like you would on any website with your email and uh, some basic name and information. If you want to watch everything that is available at our streaming platform, there are instructions on how to do that. Basically, you become a great commission partner with American Family Association, American Family Radio, American Family Studios by giving each month. And there are instructions on how to do that. And if you do that, you can watch anything and everything we have available. So that will be tomorrow uh, on uh, uh, the time slot that today's issues is normally, you're normally hearing it. All right, we want to welcome our guest, Kristen Wagner, who serves as general counsel with Alliance Defending Freedom, great organization, defending religious liberty, among other things. Her, her role includes oversight of the U.S. Legal Division, which is a team of 100 attorneys and staff who engage in litigation, public advocacy, and legislative support. Kristen, welcome to today's issues. Thank you for having me. All right, Chris, uh, why don't you let our uh, kind of inform our listeners. Yeah. I, I kind of teased this segment mm -hmm. before the break. Some people may be tuning in. What what happened at Yale University? And then uh, we'll get to sure. Kristen's take on it. I, uh, Kristen, uh, as it's been widely reported, uh, including on our own website, was part of a recent uh, bipartisan panel at uh, Yale uh, to discuss uh, free speech, why we have it, why we should have it, things of that sort. And uh, this was at Yale. And unfortunately, um, some Yale students, uh, they didn't want to hear anything about this, and they didn't want uh, Kristen to be a part of this. And so they tried to uh, protest and disrupt the event. And I have a little bit of the audio here. We're going to play this now. It's clip eight. As you know, Yale has a policy of freedom of speech, and that 
All right, that it's 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 kind of hard to if you do we have a a, a link to the actual video of that? All right, we're going to post that on our Facebook page. Kristen, uh, I did watch this. I watched your interview on Fox News about this. This is a very strange, although increasingly typical uh, pattern on America's colleges and universities. You are actually going to have a, I, I call it a debate, an exchange with an atheist. So two totally different worldviews on display, but talking about the importance of free speech and uh, tell us what happened, and then also please tell our listeners about how Yale University responded to what happened. Sure. Well, the purpose of the event was for two um, litigators who both argued at the Supreme Court, one who describes herself as a liberal atheist from the American Humanist Association and myself, a conservative Christian from Alliance Defending Freedom, to model for the students what civility looks like and to use this case. It was a case that was an ADF case, I argued. And we won eight to one at the Supreme to ensure that the government didn't get a free pass when it violated our civil rights. And so it was to show these students that we can find common ground even when we disagree on fundamental issues. And what we encountered when we got to Yale was a group of about 120 students who really turned into a student mob. Um, the, the video that you have is probably one of the least volatile moments in that hour and 15 minutes. Uh, the audio really demonstrates what happened with the chanting, the pounding on the walls of the classroom, and just the intimidation that occurred. Kristen, uh, Fred Jackson here. In your opinion, why did they react the way they did? I think it's because uh, our culture is moving to a place where we're teaching students, um, and and now these are adults. Remember, this is law school. It's not even an undergraduate school. That you don't have to engage with people or ideas that you don't like. Um, and, you know, I think that's what was the most alarming to me about it was that law schools used to be places where students were taught to engage in critical thinking, in intellectual curiosity, and in civility. Um, and that those are the things that are the hallmarks of exceptional lawyers. And these students determined that they would rather hurl insults and, and obscenities um, and even physically threaten not only their fellow conservative students, but their professor their and speakers. So it was deeply concerning. And Yale really did nothing. Um, at the time, they brought in security to protect us. We had to be escorted in a patrol car off the campus. But then later, they, the Yale administrators basically said uh, the students, you know, there was no, going to be no punishment for the students. Yeah. So that tells me, and because the size of the numbers of protesters, obviously, they are being encouraged in this thinking that free speech only exists for those who agree with you. Am I overstating that? Not at all. And, and again, I don't think we should lose the context of where this happened. This was a law school classroom. It was we were invited by a student group to engage in a discussion about legal principles. And even the American Bar Association, as progressively left as that, as that is, 
underscores that you know civility um, is crucial. It's a bedrock principle of the rule of law and our justice system. And they were simply unable to engage in civil dialogue at all. Well, Kristen, the um, I think it was a lady who, who was an who was the atheist. Is is that what you said? Who's the also the attorney? Yes, Monica Miller. Monica Miller. How, how did she respond to the mob that was present there and what they were doing? It was jarring for all of us. Um, you know, Monica, I understood it. I don't want to speak for her, but in, in conversations and just my observations, I think she was also shocked because you know, she would say that her organization appears in courts and fights for these students and their ideology every day. She, she was with them in terms of ideology and was just shocked that they would hurl the insults that they did um, and be unable to have any type of, of civil discourse in the process. Um, it, it was deeply concerning. Kristen, uh, one last question. We'll, we'll let you go. But um, there, there is a thing called a heckler's veto, and that's a, a, an expression that has been used uh, over the years to, uh, to kind of characterize when somebody will not allow someone to speak in public. They heckle so that they get to decide whether or not an opposing view is heard. This seems to be that on steroids and the kind of implicit threat that you have discussed here, the fact that, I mean, they didn't just boo you out of the room. You had to be escorted out by the police. And then Yale said they weren't going to do anything to the students who took part in this so where do you think that uh, takes us in terms of conservative voices on college campuses? My hope is that it exposed even further what's going on. And I do believe that it has prompted a national discussion, particularly among academics and elites and those who would be able to influence, um, have influence in these institutions to emphasize that uh, reward, rewarding mob rule looks a whole lot like tyranny and that um, it needs to change, that Yale and other schools need to start embracing a culture of free speech and, and civil dialogue. Kristen Wagner has been our guest. She serves as general counsel with Alliance Defending Freedom. Kristen, thank you so much. And uh, if you were asked back uh, to Yale, would you go back there? Absolutely, in a heartbeat. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Kristen, and thank uh, we, we're grateful for what Alliance Defending Freedom does. Uh, would you give us the, the website for uh, ADF and, and so folks can go and read about what you're doing? Yes, it's ADFlegal.org. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you. Wow. You know, you know, in some ways, I was not surprised because we've heard of other conservative speakers going to university right. campuses. Right. Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro. Uh, got a, Ben Shapiro, you got to spend, what is it, $6,000 for your own security yeah. when you come to our campus. Our campuses, and unfortunately, I think it begins actually in public schools, are now encouraging the shutting down of conservative voices. That's why Kristen said this sounds an awful lot like tyranny. That's that's where we're getting. And I go back to that Homeland Security memo not yes. too long ago, warning of uh, basically saying we're on the we're on the lookout for people who have conservative points of view. 
We have this going on in our military right now. Remember parents who showed up at at school Loudon, board meetings? Loudoun County School Board. I mean, the School Board Association writes to the Attorney General of the United States who says, yes, we're very concerned about those parents who are disagreeing with you and are worried about what their kids are being taught. Don't worry, we'll send in the FBI. We'll, ha- we'll start fingering people Mm -hmm. we've heard stories of people who just attended the january 6th uh uprising we'll call it whatever the case words are being used protest protest uh at the capitol building of fbi agents showing up at their house in alaska yeah we want to see your your laptop we want to investigate what's in there understand folks basic freedoms are under attack in this country yeah, and, and, and listen, it's all being done. It's not really irony because it's just uh, it's deception. Is that the left is saying we want fascism off our campuses. We want fascism out of our cities. Mm-hmm. And they're being fascist yes. in, the way they, sure. in the way they handle mm-hmm. differences of they, opinion. They often use their constitutional rights to do things to denounce the Constitution and then claim, well, I have rights when people hold them to a standard for what yeah. they did. I hope we realize what's happening here is the thinking that we have for years condemned in China right. of silencing those who are opposed to the government mm-hmm. has arrived on our shores. Yes. And this start this started, I think this goes back 30, 40 years. It just it was birthed. I think it came out of the protests of the Vietnam War, and then it just it just grew and it grew. I hate America as it is, and we have to change it. And now it's it's in journalism, it's in our law courts, it's certainly on our university campuses. It's at Disney. Yes, I mean you, you know you, we talked about the story yesterday about the film being produced by Pixar, mm-hmm. uh, and. Then Disney's CEO comes out and attacks the state of Florida yes. and the legislature, and I'm sure the governor, who said uh, he's going to uh, sign this law, attacked them as being hateful. And, 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 and there is no alternative view to what is being promoted by the left. And I guarantee if this were reversed, <laughs> and what's, what's so revealing is you don't have mobs of conservative students no shutting down liberals who come to speak and if they did that <laughs> and if you had to you had to drag out a liberal speaker from the campus hmm. from from a uh, a hall where they're giving a lecture with the cops and put them in a car for their own safety and and then the university said we're not going to do anything to these conservative students the whole left of the country would be up screaming brian stelter would still be on the air talking about it after days of being on the air talking about it right so folks we've said this numerous times countless times we're not the only ones saying it pay attention to what's going on in your public school Mm -hmm. in your christian school private schools on the lower level of education and then as you go up to college law school whatever advanced degrees you better be paying attention because you may be paying for your student, your child, to be brainwashed in cultural Marxism. It's really it's 
it's really extraordinary yes. to watch this kind of thing unfold. And what's what what got me as I watched the video, we're talking uh, still about Kristen Wagner, who had this experience at Yale University. What what was so fascinating and disturbing was that these kids didn't have to come to the lecture yeah. if they disagreed <laughs> with the subject matter. Right. But they came anyway to stop other kids from hearing it. Yes. So yes. Where they weren't just – this wasn't a classroom – where a professor introduces two guest speakers and then the mm -hmm. kids are like held captive. I have to listen to this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get up and walk out. No, they went to a, uh, to a, uh, an elective experience yes. and said, not only do I not want this to mm. listen to it, I don't want anyone else listening to it. Yes. And that's extraordinary. Yeah. On, on, to end this, on a positive note for today, I think the country is waking up. I, I really do. I think the country is waking up and you can fold in the uh, restrictions that were brought in during the pandemic against churches meeting and all of this sort of thing. You, you, there is a, a worldview out there that is about shutting down, and in particular, it's Christianity. Yeah. It really is. Well, I think it's because Christianity is the main competitor yeah. in this country to cultural Marxism. Yes, we're, we're the we're the other big dog on the in the neighborhood. Yes, and so to 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 sweep the table, they got to get churches and Christians out of the way. Yeah, and that's why they're pushing us to the fringe. But you know, it it wasn't all Christians in Loudoun County. It wasn't all right. Christians in Virginia that, yeah. that a radical change last November. Right, that went from being a hard left liberal Democrat state to a conservative. Parents saying we've had enough of this nonsense, yeah. and uh, and so I I do believe there's encouragement. I think what Governor DeSantis is doing in Florida is another indication. You know, the mainstream media and Disney may be against what, and and the President of the United States may be against what this bill, soon to be signed into law in Florida, is all about. But I think the people of Florida pre appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not hearing any opposition, widespread opposition, other than a few Democrats against this. It's all coming from the elites. Yes. So on I, the left. I think we have to be encouraged, but I think, you know, Loudoun County, Virginia, what's going on in Florida is a demonstration of what needs to be done in this country. Yeah. All right, Chris, what else you got? Well, this is an interesting um, situation playing out in Georgia, uh, and I have a bit of sound here to talk about it. Talking about things that are changing. Um, in America. Um, right now, uh, you've got a big Senate race kind of underway in uh, Georgia between Republican Herschel Walker, former football player, going up against pastor turned Senator Raphael Warnock. Uh, I'm looking at the real, real clear politics uh, polls here. Um, Walker is leading Warnock uh, in several polls, including one poll from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. They've got Walker up three points. And uh, Walker actually is one of several, many, uh, in fact, uh, black people running as Republicans in uh, coming elections. And that was a question for Walker today on Fox and Friends. This is audio of Senate candidate uh, Herschel Walker on Fox and Friends answering the question, why are you and other black people running as Republicans? Clip six. You're not the only African-American running on the Republican side. There's about 80 what, why do you think this is happening now? Well, I think it's happening because the Democrat is down, got terrible messaging. They got terrible messaging, and their policy doesn't really fit with the, with the African-American and the, the black and brown communities. You know, defund the police was one of the things that doesn't fit. 
you know, all we all want public safety, and I, and also I think right now, look at this economy. Who is it hurting? It hurting people like myself in the brown community, and I think the Democratic Party has forgotten about that. That's very interesting because um, that black people um, historically, let's say the last fifty years or so, have tend to be uh, marginalized as Democratic voters. They're all going to vote Democrat. It's what a lot of people would lead you to believe. But Herschel Walker here says, well, they have terrible messaging. They haven't done anything for us and other people. We're tired of this. We're running. And I bring this up because not just we have listeners in Georgia or whatever. Um, if you can get a substantial portion of minority voters um, to side with Republicans in the coming midterm election and then the presidential election, which is not too far away, you're looking at a big shift uh, in America. And when you talk about education, when you talk about police rights, when you talk about economic uh, situations, Project 21 since us a press release every day, it seems, uh, talking about how Biden's policies are harming black people. This, I think, will be something to watch for in these coming elections. Well, Fred, uh, I, I think Chris is right. I think we're going to start seeing more and more that my, people in the minority communities in this country, uh, in the black community, in the Hispanic community, I think you're going to see more and more conservatives stepping out and running for political office. That, for one thing, that is going to break the uh, the mindset that the only one, the only political party that minorities will vote for are other Democrats. But also, I think it's almost like their time has come. Mm-hmm. Minority conservatives, black conservatives, we're talking about Herschel Walker, uh, they have something to say too. Absolutely. And for a long time, they've been shut down and ostracized at least by the leadership of the Democratic Party. But now it seems like they're saying, no, I've got something to say and I'm going to say it. Well, and I I think we have to be mindful that, uh, you know, the mainstream media totally distorts the political story in this country. I I think there are many, you know, if, if you watch, if you listen to the mainstream media, you think that 90, 95% of black people all vote Democrat or that 90 or 95% of Hispanics all vote Democrat. That is not true. It is simply or not true. Or at least true. it's changing. If it was, if it was right. true in the black community, yes. it seems to be changing. Well, it's changing, and, and, and for very basic reasons. Uh, black, not all black people want to defund the police departments. Right. They want their neighborhoods protected, and they say a social counselor coming in the back of a police car is not going to stop the bad guys that are in my community. I'm sure if you talk to many black people in Chicago, we have this pastor who has been on oh, the sure. roof there uh, for many days. Since November. Since November. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's representing a black community that you will not hear on CNN right. or NBC or ABC. And here's what's happening. You know, black people are, they're, they're, they're filling up their cars at the pumps. Yeah. Five, six dollars a gallon and do you think they're actually believing when uh, President Joe Biden says that is Vladimir Putin's fault, it's not my fault? Or uh, when they buy groceries. Yeah. When they buy groceries. And they're, they're understanding, hey, things were a lot better under Donald Trump. Right. Our unemployment rate, rate went down under Donald Trump. It was some of the best economic years for the black community. You know, and I've often said this about Trump. the Hispanic community. The Hispanic community are entrepreneurs. Yeah. They start businesses. They work hard. There are black people who start businesses and work hard. Right. They're understanding that the Democrats are going to tax the success of your business. Right. 
So it, it's it's happening. You just don't have the media reporting on it because the media is a lapdog for the Democratic sure. Party. They're invested in keeping the status quo. To yes. prove to everybody that black or African-American voters are at play in this coming election and those to come is playing out on our television right now. Because Joe Biden said before he was elected president, I will nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court. And he talks about how we're past time for that. He did it for political purposes. Why? To show black voters, we're the party for you. Whereas Herschel Walker just said, no, I've got decades worth of evidence to say otherwise. That's why I'm running as a Republican. It is a major voting base. Well, I think as the Democratic Party continues to lurch leftward into more and more radical areas and promoting more and more radical policies, the more black voters, for example, they're going to jar loose Mm -hmm. from the uh, kind of monopoly they've had for decades and decades. They're going to start jarring more and more loose because there's going to be a lot of minority voters. I don't say a lot. I, I have no idea what kind of percentage can get chipped away, but you chip away five or 10%. That sure. is enormous yes. in some of these big states with big city voters. Uh, and so if, if you alienate those voters mm-hmm. by going radical, like the, like the defund the police yeah. movement, I'm sure, I'm sure most minority voters in big cities said, no, I want some changes between, you know, in the relationship between the police and my community, but I don't want to, to fund the police, it's a war zone here. You're gonna you're gonna alienate those voters, and they're gonna open up their hearts and their minds to a different message. Yes. And then the more of them that are business entrepreneurs, the more they're gonna make the decision between conservative principles and increasingly socialist principles. That's right. All right, folks, we're gonna take a five minute break for news, and when we come back, uh, Steve Jordal will be joining us. Chris, thank you thank for you. your part here in the last hour. And Steve will bring us some of the news and information that we have not covered yet that is going on both here and abroad. You're listening to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. Again, uh, Fred and I will take a five-minute break for news, and we will return. Please join us. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.